Colossians 3, Colossians 3.15, he said, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let or allow. Now, what's the understood subject there? You. So if you don't let this happen, it won't happen. If you don't allow this to happen, it won't happen. But we are told not not to try to do it, but to do it. Let allow the peace of God to rule. It has the, the last word. Amen. It has the final say. And, you know, the, I, don't, I don't remember the exact of the Amplified, but it talks about it at the peace of God acting as an umpire and deciding the issue. How many understand when there's a, a conflict about what happened? Well, here the umpire comes out and he makes the call. You know, well, was he safe or was he out? And one side's hollering, he's safe, he was safe, he was safe. The other one's saying, no, he was out, he was out. So uh, the ump's got to come and go. He's out. Whatever it was, out. He's out. Well, in your life, there are many voices. Right? None of them without signification. All of them are saying something. All of them's got a message. But I understand you do not need to be listening to all of them. And I mean, when we say many voices, that's both spiritually and naturally. Voices, and I mean, isn't that true in this media age in which we live? Dear me, you know, hundreds of channels on the TV and unlimited number of websites. And I mean, it's just, we live in the info age and there's just an information glut. I mean, it's just, you could look and hear something different night and day, day after day, but it ain't all God. And it's not all what you need to hear. And I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but I'm telling you, if you walk the faith walk and walk the exact plan that God has for you, you'll have to return to simplicity. And what I mean by that is an eliminating of all the superfluous and the unnecessary stuff and stuff that might even be all right, but it just ain't for you. Did you hear me? We're living in an age where there, I mean, you can just sense it. You can just sense it all around you. You can sense it in the Christians. You can sense it in ministers. They're just, we're just hearing too much and we're seeing too much. And, and a lot of it is, is bad. But even if it wasn't just bad, there can just be too much. Just too much stuff. And the result is you've got people that are not in peace. And they're always, you know, they're getting into what the individuals uh, did in the book of Acts that Paul had to deal with. Always wanting to tell or hear something new. Always looking for something new because there's so much stuff out there. And you know, it really is a lack of faith to have this fear. And this is what drives a lot of people. This is why a lot of people divorce. It's why they jump out of a good place that God has them in. It's a fear that they're going to miss something. Did you hear me? That's why people have what they call a middle-aged crisis. 
And, and you know, I've, I've had Christians sometimes tell me, you know, well, you know, you, you, you get to that age, you kind of got to go through some of those things. That's ridiculous. Christians are not supposed to have any middle age crisis. You understand there are Christians that believe that you have to go through some of this stuff? They believe that their teenagers have to go crazy for a few years. They believe that you have to, you know, in midlife, you have to just have terrible times, but you'll, you'll finally get through. That is ridiculous. That's the world's lies. They may do some of that stuff, and, and, and the path they're going may have to do some of that stuff, but that is not the will of God. We're redeemed from that kind of stuff. We don't have to have that kind of stuff. Ridiculous. But the reason that middle aged uh, men and women get crazy and do stupid stuff that they do is the same problem that three year olds have. <laughs> Why they don't want to go to bed. Huh? Why don't they want to go to bed? <laughs> they're afraid they're going to miss something. <laughs> Now, I ain't smart enough to think that up. The Lord told me that. He, the Lord gave. Because I was dealing with a situation one time, and I said, what's wrong with them? He said, the same thing is wrong with the three-year-old. That's what he said to me. That's how I learned that. Really, all my good stuff, he gave it to me. <laughs> I'll just go ahead and tell you that right now. <laughs> but um, that's what's wrong with the three-year-old. I mean, they're... They can't hardly hold their eyes open and they're dragging and they're falling and they try to keep themselves away. Why? Go to bed. Oh, and they start crying and carrying up. Why? And really, there's nothing for them to miss. Right? I miss that we know from an adult perspective, you ain't going to miss a thing, baby. Go to bed. But they're convinced something might happen. So they push it as far as they can. How many understand when they get to that place, they're not in peace? <laughs> And the rest of the house ain't in peace in it. You got a kid wailing and screaming and ain't no peace around. And that's what happens to 50-year-olds that, you know, do stupid stuff. And, then, and people that jump out of a good church and jump out of a good ministry and, and, and they want to try this and they're searching for this. It is a lack of faith. There's been times that I had something come in my heart that, you know, that the Lord wanted me to do. And I thought, well, man, if I do that, I'm going to miss this. <laughs> you know, you think that. At least it crossed your mind. And I've had the Lord say to me, son, you obey me. You're not going to miss a thing. I'll see to it that you don't miss a thing. And a lot of things that you thought you needed to be in, you didn't need to be in. wasn't half what you had it cracked up to be, you know. Looking back now, I mean, now I'm thinking, you know, some things just stand out in your mind. My cousins were, that were older than I, they were going to go do a certain thing. And I really had my heart set that I was going to go with them. I was just a little guy. And I was, you know, I was going to go with them. And my mom said, no, you got to stay. I mean, that was branded in my mind. I thought, I wanted to go. I wish you said, but you didn't mess with mama. And you know, she said, stay, you stayed. We didn't pitch fits in the grocery store. <laughs> People talking about, well, it's just this generation. No, it's, mm, well, I won't get on that. But <laughs> we didn't look across the table and go, ooh, I don't like that. 
Are you kidding? Woo. I know some of my uncle and aunt brought their kids over to grandma's house. We always ate, uh, we called it dinner, noon meal, it's lunch at a grandma's house on Sunday. And they came, sat down at the big table. We're all eating and we're waiting for mom to tell us what we can have and be polite, you know. And uh, uh, one of those other kids, they just yelled right out, Ooh, I'm not eating that. I can't stand that. Well, my brother and I looked at each other. We thought, boy, they're going to get it. They're going to get it. And the bigger shock came when nothing happened. Nothing happened. And the kids also had great problems, too, as they went through their teenage years and all that stuff. But anyway, peace is lost when you're in fear that you're, not, you're going to miss something. You, you're not going to get what you need. And you and I are not to operate in any degree of fear. And so a measure of this is our peace level. You can tell how much fear or faith you're operating in by your peace level. Are you with me now? I'm telling you, this, these things, this is not just a message for you to hear on Wednesday night. You can live by this now. I'm telling you, this is, what, this is, this is how I live. This is one of the greatest things that, that helps me day to day to see how I'm doing spiritually, how I'm doing in my faith walk. I check my peace level. When I'm doing good, my faith is strong, I'm on the right track, I got peace. I'm at rest, calm in my soul, got that knowing, got that sense. But when I'm, I feel flustered, frustrated, pushed, and you just feel like you can't tolerate anything, I'm not doing good. Did you hear me? You realize that you've said the wrong thing to somebody or a little bit snappy and that kind of thing. You're not doing good in faith. You're not doing good spiritually. So when things come up, what do I let decide it for me? When I'm looking at do I do this, do I not do that? Do I go this way, do I not? What do we let decide it? Let the peace of God rule. Amen? Let it be the umpire. Let it make the final call. So you, now, now, don't misunderstand me. Use your head. God gave you a head. Use your head. Do research. Look at things. Study. Find out. Ask people. Get information. See what your options are. But when it comes time to do it, what do you act on? Peace. I said peace. The peace. When you think about going that way and you don't know what it is, but it's just something rubs you a little bit the wrong way. You're just not settled. That means you don't move yet. Even though everything seems like it's in place, you know. Brother Hagen has been a great example of that. I mean, the man is just rock solid. And the huge ministry, and sometimes they're wanting, you know, an answer on this or an answer about this meeting or an answer on this. But until he hears from God, he just won't move. He'll just sit there. Well, it's all ready, and it's this, and we got this deadline. He'll just kind of look at you. <laughs> until he's heard from God, until he's settled on it. I learned that in healing school. He'd sit down sometimes with us and talk about things. He'd say, uh, you know, we're, we're going to do this kind of ministry in healing school. And he'd go into it, and we'd get so excited. We'd think, glory to God, man, that's good. We'd think, boy, we'd probably implement that, you know, next week. <laughs> week passed, month passed, 
year passed, two years passed, and he'd say, you know that thing we were talking about? We've all forgot, you know. He'd bring it up. Yeah, we're going to start that next week. Two years later or, or whatever. Or much, much longer. But what, what was he doing? Waiting until he had that go ahead. Waiting until he had. See, an, an idea is not direction. Did you hear that now? I mean, uh, I know probably any ministry leaders can, can verify this, but I've, I, we're endeavoring to train our folk that I have to watch that if I start talking about something, they'll think, well, that means do it. But no, it doesn't mean do it. It means we're thinking about it. <laughs> we're looking at it. And sometimes the Lord will show you things a long time in advance to get you ready. But an idea is not a direction. And even though, even though you know it's the will of God, even though you, you know it's right, you don't move on it, you don't act on it until you have that peace. And uh, it's real simple. I mean, if you don't have it, you don't move. People, they, they try to make it more complicated than it is. And we've all made mistakes in these areas. But people say, well, I just don't, I don't know what to do. I'm not settled. Then you don't move. You, you keep praying about it. You keep looking at it. You keep doing what you know to do until you get that settled, that peace, and you, that knowing. You let that rule. We live in a society of a lot of frustration. Frustrated people, which is another way of saying lack of peace. And you and I are not to go around frustrated all the time or even part of the time. In fact, we, we are to never be frustrated. But have you ever been? Yes, you have. I've been. <laughs> I know I was, uh, years ago I was in my car about to turn on to an expressway. I remember right where it was. And uh, the thought came up in my mind. I thought, the thing I was thinking about, I thought, well, I'm a, I'm a little frustrated about this. And the Lord said, well, then you're not in faith. Frustration is not faith. Ooh. So I had to get it right, get it, get it straightened out. But have you ever been frustrated? I want to deal with briefly tonight some causes of frustration. And again, what we're talking about is peace, lack of peace. If you're frustrated, you're not in peace. But why are a lot of times people frustrated? You've got your place there in Second uh, Samuel, right? 13. Let's look at one reason. Second Samuel. That's in the Old Testament, right? <laughs> you see something here in Second uh, Samuel 13:1 about one of David's King David's sons and one of his uh, uh, daughters. And the Bible says in 13.1 of 2 Samuel, it says, It came to pass after this that Absalom, his son, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Ammon, uh, Amnon, the son of David, loved her. So I, I guess she was uh, his half-sister. And Amnon was so vexed. Everybody say vexed. Yes. He was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister uh, Tamar. Have you ever heard of love sick? That's not okay. 
I mean, we know what sometimes people mean by that, but there is a perversion. He, he, he literally got sick over this deal. She was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. He wanted her. And it vexed him. It frustrated him. Now, first of all, just notice the language of this. He, you know, if you read through the rest of this, he, he talked about how much he loved her. That he was just totally head over heels in love with her. He loved her, but yet this phrase is revealing he, he couldn't see how he could do anything to her. How many understand the love of God is not wanting to do anything to anybody. It's wanting to do something for somebody. Uh, even a lot of Christians are confused about uh, real love. Most of what people call love is self-love. Even when you say, I love you, I need you. That's selfish. Did you hear me? I love you, I need you, I want you, that's all I, I. Right? It's not about them. It's about you love how they make you feel. You love what they do for you. That's, got, that's not loving them. That's loving you. <laughs> Did you hear me? And that's why people, you know, are so confused. They don't, you know, they don't even really know what love is. And uh, so much of what people call love concerning men and women is, uh, is, is physical attraction and even lust. And unless you learn, uh, you know, the reason why there's so, uh, you know, so little continuity and longevity with so many relationships, not all the reasons, but a, a, a big part is just people, when they fall out of love, they don't have that intensity of feeling they never knew what love was to begin with, so they just quit and just give up. But the real God kind of love is I love you. I want to do something for you. I want to give you something. I want to minister to you. I want to bless you. I want to help you. I want to enrich you. Uh, the God kind of love ministers to, to a person. And the God kind of faith puts no pressure on people. Ever. But the source of Amnon's frustration is he wanted something he was not supposed to have. Now, we, you know, we live in a society that's very promiscuous. We live in a society that's filled with uh, nudity and with uh, sexual suggestiveness. And the problem with that is it's always feeding the lust for something that you're not supposed to have. And what people, and, I, and I've dealt with people that are just, you know, they're getting to the point of, of having criminal tendencies in these areas. And they are not happy people. They're not peaceful people. They are vexed. They're frustrated. They're driven. With unfulfilled lust and desire. And people think, you know, well, it's just trying to be holier than thou to say, well, I'm not going to watch this or I'm not going to look at this and I'm not going to, well, it's just trying to be goody goody. No, you're making it easy on yourself. <laughs> Did you hear me? You're just 
taking away sources of frustration. Amen. It's a lust, unfulfilled lust, unfulfilled desire and cravings frustrates. It's not freedom to feed on stuff so much that every time you see anybody of the opposite sex, you have sexual thoughts about them. That's bondage. It's freedom to be able to look at people and not think that way. Amen. You might say, well, yeah, but I struggle with that. You struggle with it because you feed it. If you'll starve it, it'll get weaker and weaker until it doesn't bother you. Oh, it'll always be something you'll have to maybe cast down here and there, but it it won't frustrate you. It won't vex you. It won't drive you. It's like a stray cat. Lust and desire. It's like a stray cat. If it comes on your doorstep, meow, meow. (laughs) And you say, now, kitty. You can't stay here. Here's some gourmet cat food. Oh, you're still hungry? Here's another one. But you got to go. You can't stay here. Four weeks later, Kitty's gained a pound. And it's still right there in your face. Meow, meow. Here's four gourmet cat. Now, Kitty, I've told you. I don't want you here. You're not supposed to be here. You have to go. You keep feeding him. You keep feeding him. Six months later, you got a 20-pound cat sitting on your chest, <laughs> licking your nose. Kitty, get off of me. You're not supposed to be here. Who fed that cat? Why is that cat there? So that's the way lust is. I said, that's the way lust is. You feed it, it's going to grow. It's going to get stronger. It's going to get. Let's say you, you know you got everybody's got to identify where your area is. Maybe maybe you want clothes too much. Maybe you want jewelry too much. Maybe you want houses too much. Maybe you want cars. Whatever it is, everybody's got something that they're a little bit maybe out of balance on. And God wants you to have the best and plenty of it, but He doesn't want you thinking about it all the time. Did you, he don't want you obsessed with it and consumed with it. So what you got to do is starve that down. Well, I just, I just like to, to look at them all the time. I like to look at the catalogs. And I like to get online. and I just like to look at it for hours. Uh, yeah, but is it out of balance? Well, I just like to window shop and look. Yeah, but are you thinking about it too much? Well, I'm believing for it. Well, that's great. Claim one. Make your confession and forget about it and serve Jesus today. Did you hear me? Because if you feed that all the time, that's how people get to the place where they're so consumed with the lust and drive. I can't be happy till I get this. Within your covetous, which is idolatrous. You're into a degree of idolatry. If you can't be content right now, right here, with what you have, where you're at, content. I'm just doing New Testament scriptures to that effect, several of them. Amen. Then you're covetous. That doesn't mean you can't claim and believe and sow for something bigger. But, that, but it does mean you are not discontent and frustrated until it shows up. Amen now. Frustrated. Well, I can't really be a, a, a really totally 
big faith Christian till I got my new car until I got my big house. I mean, I'm dragging behind. I got to have that. And until I'm, until I'm totally uh, every bill's paid and, and totally my, my big stuff is here, then I can't really be happy and free. You're frustrated. You're not letting peace rule. And you're not thinking right. The big stuff you got now, here, right here. You're saved now. Got the Holy Ghost now. Name's in the book now. Hallelujah. Now, here. The rest of that stuff's going to be ashes later on. It's not going to matter. Two Rhema students I overheard one time. One of them was supposed to be testifying, telling about all the stuff that he had. Really, it's just kind of bragging. And, and it was aggravating this other guy that didn't have much. Finally, he looked at him and he said, so what? He said, your pile of ashes will be bigger than mine. Because <laughs> after it's all said and done, <laughs> all this stuff's going to melt with fervent heat. How many know what I'm talking about? Do not postpone your happiness until your thing comes in you're believing for. Big mistake. Jesus is our life. Amen. Our life is hid with Christ in God. Don't set your affection on things above. I mean, on things down here, excuse me. Set your affection. Like y'all ain't never made a mistake. Come on now. Set your affection on things that are above, not on things on the earth. Don't set your affection on these things when you could be happy right now with your affection on things above. Oh, glory. Yeah, we're going somewhere. Yeah, we're not at the place we're believing for. But, but don't wait till you get there to say, I'm happy. Enjoy every step. Enjoy the trip. Amen. Enjoy every step up the ladder. I despise this intimidation in, in so-called faith circles. Did you hear me? That, that people are, you know, they feel, well, I, I don't have this yet, or don't have that, or I'm still dealing with this. So, and I, don't, I can't even relate to these guys that have so much faith. Uh, the devil's lying to you. People that really do have faith, they're not on a, you know, in their mind on a pedestal above you. And if they did, if they have gotten to a place, they came through the places you're coming through right now. They've been there probably took them longer than it's taken you because you're benefiting from what they've taught you. So no, no, there is no, uh, I've had people that were struggling with a disease or something that used to work with me in healing school and, and I went to them and I could just tell they just felt so bad. Brother Keith, I'm sorry, you know, I, mean, I should have had this whip by now. That's ridiculous. I, that bothers me. Did you hear me? I said that bothers me. That, that's the devil using uh, lies and perverting it to, to, to add condemnation, which hurts your faith, undermines your faith. Uh, any one of us could have done better than what we've done. Huh? Every one of us in here could be further down the road in faith, in prosperity. If we'd have totally obeyed God 100% every day, we'd be a long ways down from where we are. But I don't know, you know, I ain't met anybody that has. We've made mistakes. We've messed up. We, we wandered around out in the wilderness for a while before we got on the right track. I mean, we've done stuff. But the, the bottom line is we're all going to heaven and it's all going to be okay. Amen. 
It's all going to be okay. And even if you mess up, God can fix things. It's a wonderful fixer of things. So when you are frustrated about something, you might want to look at it real close. Am I wanting something I'm not supposed to have? Is this what's frustrating me? Certain things should be obvious to you. Other things might not be as obvious. But pray about it. Sometimes you'll set your heart on something, and it's not right for you. It's not what, it's not what God wants for you. And you need to be ready to die to it if he tells you. And that can be tough, man. It can be tough on your soul because you've set your heart on it. You've set your soul for it. You want it. You're looking at it. There's been some things before the Lord told me that is not to be. It is not to be that way. And oh man, I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear that. But that's when you play the man and the woman and you stand up and you go, yes, Lord. And you be a good soldier. Endure hardness if you need be. And have faith in your father that if that's not it, there's something better. Amen. He's got, takes faith. Takes faith to turn it loose and go, okay, boy, that's the best I've seen so far. I thought that was it, but whew. Lord said, nope, that ain't it. Turn it loose. Yes, sir. You got something better. I know you have. Because he's able to do exceeding abundantly above what you asked. Never is he going to give you something and you're going to go, this ain't quite what I want. He said, well, that's the best I could do. (laughs) Just take it and be happy. No, no, no. When it's God, it's always going to exceed your expectations and what you had thought and prayed. Hallelujah. All right. Go to Second Peter, the second chapter. I'll try not to carry this out too far. But I got this point and another point. Can you, can you take that? Or? If you need to, just lift up your hand and go, all right, that's it. Okay, enough. Second Peter, another cause of frustration. What was the first one? Wanting something. That you're not supposed to have. Now that can be spiritually. As well as physically. You know. There's, there are people that they lust after another man's ministry. And it's not your place. It's not your call. When you think you want this. And you think you want the other. What do you do? Check your heart. Let the peace rule. When I'm going day after day and I'm frustrated about it and it's vexing me, it's not right. God's not doing that. I'm supposed to have peace from the time I open my eyes in the morning to the time I put my head on the pillow at night. I'm supposed to have peace every way I go. Even if I'm in the middle of a storm, I'm supposed to have peace. Amen? Because he's with me. When I'm doing his will and I'm, I'm where he wants me to be and pursuing what he wants me to pursue, you will have that unmistakable, constant peace. Keeping your heart, keeping your mind. Here's another reason why people, though, are frustrated and vexed. Second Peter and the second chapter. There's overlap here, but there's a difference too. Second Peter 2, 7. Talking about how God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. He actually made them an example. And you know, we should, we should do the same thing. He did that so that throughout uh, generation after generation, when things got to a certain place, people would say, remember Sodom and Gomorrah. It's an example. And uh, one of the uh, 
One of the problems with Sodom and Gomorrah, it says that Sodom's sin was her uh, pride. It was her idleness. Her, she was full and idle. And it was her selfishness. It didn't even mention, it didn't mention the sexual sin in that. But that was a product of all that. And when people get to the place where they're in sin and they're proud of it, they're defiant about it, and they're idle and all they think about is their self, judgment is near. And we need to continually remember Sodom and Gomorrah. But it says that during the situation, verse 7, God delivered just Lot. Remember Lot who traveled with Abram. He delivered him, Lot, who was vexed with the filthy lifestyle of the wicked. Now Lot, when he, you know, you remember he separated from, from Abraham. And he made a mistake when he did. The Bible said he, you know, there were strife between he and, and Abraham's servants. And uh, Abram wouldn't put up with that strife. And we need to have zero tolerance for strife. Did you hear me? In your home, in your business, in your ministry, in your church, I mean zero. The Lord said to me some years ago, he said, strife is the manifest presence of the devil. Strife. You remember James talks about where there's strife and there's envy. There's, every, there's a manifestation of every kind of evil work. But on the other hand, peace is the manifest presence of God. Now, did you hear what I said? How much tolerance for strife? Yeah. I'm talking about with your kids, with your employees. I mean, everybody absolutely refuse to have it. None. None. You know, we've told our employees at our ministry, you know, we ain't having strife now. If we can't fix it, the cause of it will have to be removed. It can't be, I mean, zero strife. Why? Because it's just like opening the door to the devil and saying, you can hang around here. You can manifest here. I'm not having it. Say it out loud with me. Zero tolerance tolerance. for strife. And so Abraham was that way. He said, we're not having this now, whatever. Now, he was the man. He's the patriarch. He says, we're not having this. You pick what you want. I'll take the other. But we've we've got to get out of this strife. And Lot made the huge mistake of not deferring to the higher anointing, not honoring his father in the faith. And the Bible said he chose for himself a selfish choice. He chose the best well-watered land and left the rest for his uh, father in the faith, Abraham. And he'd had nothing if it wasn't for Abraham. He wouldn't have known anything about God. Wouldn't have been pro- the man was rich because he hung around with Abraham and he made a wrong choice. Next thing you know, his tent is pitched toward Sodom. Next thing you know, he's living in Sodom. Now, he didn't just get into the sin with the Sodomites. He had enough righteousness put into him. He knew what was right and wrong, but yet he's living in there with them. And they were ungodly, man. I mean, totally ungodly. So ungodly that God couldn't put up with them another day. He had to, judgment had to fall. They were totally destroyed. But the Bible said that Lot vexed, he was vexed with the filthy conversational lifestyle of the wicked. That righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul. Who vexed his soul? He did, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful 
deeds. How did he vex himself with their stuff? By being there. How many understand? He was where he had no business being. So every day he gets up and he hears cussing and he hears murder in the streets and it's vexing him. And he goes out and goes to the gate and he sees you know, uh, men making out with men and women making out with women on the street and stupid stuff, and it's vexing him. But who's doing that to him? He's not supposed to be there. Did you hear me? He vexed his self. He, he was a righteous soul. And God delivered him, didn't he? He spared him in mercy, pulled him out of there. But he was vexing his own righteous soul by being and putting himself in a place where he would constantly see and hear all this ungodly stuff. He's vexing himself. He's frustrating himself. And his peace level is just, just dwindling, dwindling all the time. In fact, he, you, can, you can tell it by the time the angels got to him. He was blind. He was dull. They had to put their hands on him and, 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 and remove him physically. Get him out there. He just, he wasn't getting it. And that's what happens to you when you subject yourself to this kind of stuff unnecessarily. How many understand we don't just need to sit in front of the TV and, and hear cussing hour after hour? Because, you know, what happens is for the first several hours you're going, oh, 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 man, phew, oh, Man, that's a bad, oh. But after days and months of that, you'll just sit there and go, hmm, what's happening to you? I had the Lord say something to me today that I hesitated to tell you, but he, but he said, no, tell them. When wickedness ceases to vex you, you are yourself wicked. Now, wicked means twisted. Perverted, distorted. How many understand that when, you know, seeing somebody put a gun to somebody's head and, and blow their brains out, that's supposed to bother you. Seriously bother you. Seeing crimes committed, people, persons violated, hearing God's name and things blasphemed, it's supposed to really bother you. Not just a little bit, really bother you. And the enemy is bombarding us night and day with all this stuff to desensitize us to it. Did you hear me? Until we think it's normal. And there is a subtle and a continuous twisting or perverting of mindsets and things. And, and what happens is you, you'll let your kids get by with stuff you wouldn't have otherwise. You'll let them talk. Why? Because you're so inundated with it, it sounds normal to you. And holiness is looked at and not understood, but all it is is, is a separation from all that is against God and not godly and all that is godless. When you eliminate all of that, you're going to have a simplified lifestyle. <laughs> and I've made mistakes in it just like you. It's one reason I'm telling you some of these things. I mean, it's, it's so easy to get sucked into all this stuff and just sit and listen and watch and hear. But we need to simplify our lives. Everybody say simplify. simplify. 
And the result is going to be sensitivity to the Holy Ghost like you have never experienced. The result, hallelujah, is going to be the opening of a move of God. And the result is going to be removal of the frustration. Why vex ourselves? If you can turn it off, turn it off. If you can get up and leave, get up and leave. You understand what I'm saying? How many understand what Lot should have done? First, before he moved in there, before he bought a house over there, when his tent was close enough where he gets up in the morning and instead of praising God and hearing birds sing, he hears cussing and foul language, it's time to move. I done got too close to Sodom. (laughs) Did you hear me? I mean, unless God sent you to Sodom to have a revival, have enough sense to not sit there and vex yourself and frustrate yourself with this ungodly stuff while the devil is subtly using it to callous your heart, to desensitize you to where you're blind and dumb where the things of God are concerned. I'm telling you, the devil has been hugely successful in this area already, but the good news is it can be changed. The Bible talks in Matthew 13 about the heart being waxed gross, thick, and unfeeling. Uh, Timothy talks about having your conscience seared. And and, and frustration is also present when there's uh, friction. Something's rubbing you. Something's grating you. It's frustrating you. And there's friction. Friction. What happens when there's constant friction? What's going to happen? Blisters. Is that right? Spiritual blisters on your soul and in your heart. And then what happens after the blisters go away and it keeps on happening? What happens? Thicker, less sensitive skin comes back and you keep doing that and keep doing that until you're so thick and unfeeling. You, you, there's so much stuff you don't pick up. So much stuff that just goes right past you. And the problem is it could be God dealing with you about something in the morning that could save your life. But you're so calloused because you, you, you know, you've heard endless hours of cussing and seen endless hours of murder and violation and blasphemous stuff until you just blare out into it and boom, the devil gets you and they're gone and everybody cries. I can't understand why God didn't save them. Did you hear me? And it's not God's fault. What it is is worldliness. We, we, we ought not look at worldliness and holiness in the vein that so many people have. Worldliness is, uh, is frustration to us. Worldliness robs us. Holiness will bring us contentment. It'll, it'll make us happy. It'll, it'll make us satisfied. We get up in the morning and we know we're living right. And we hadn't, nothing's been bombarding our mind with junk. And we'll be clear. We'll be creative. We'll be focused. We'll be happy. We can go look at our brothers and sisters with nary a perverted sexual thought. Just happy. Just enjoy being with everybody. No torment. No vexation. It's freedom, brother. It's freedom. Hallelujah. It's glory. Glory to God. You know, it happened with Samson. Why don't you turn there real quick. In Judges 16. Samson, called of God, anointed of God, mild, I mean used of God to do mighty deeds, exploits, 
and yet how he fell. And there were all kind of warning signs if he'd have seen them. He could have saved himself. He could have averted it. How many understand you, it doesn't work to fight Philistines in the daytime and sleep with them at night. <laughs> You've got to make up your mind now. Are they enemies or lovers? <laughs> do I fight Philistines or do I love Philistines? Which one is it? How many understand what he did? Judges 16, are you there? The 15th verse. He had had Philistine women before and got into all kind of trouble, got into all kind of problems, violated the word. If you, all he had to do is just stay with the word and it had never got mixed up with a Philistine woman. They were told very specifically, you don't marry these people. But no, he had to have one. So he had one. Messed things up. He had another. Finally, he really got one. Delilah. And he's everything, she's everything that he thought he wanted in a woman. She was it. But ungodly. No faithfulness to God. And you understand this? If people are not faithful to God, they're not going to be faithful to you. Don't even imagine it. Don't even think it. They're just using you. And it turned out that's what she was doing. She had political ambitions. She wanted favors. And she was just, she was laying for him. Using him. So she kept on prodding him about the secret to his power. The secret to the anointing on his life. Which the secret to it was his separation. The secret to it was the separation. Which is another word for holiness. The call of God on his life. And that's what his hair symbolized was his separation to God and those things. And he had been violating it all along. And God in his mercy was still using him. But he got to the point where he just totally removed all signs of his separation. And that's when the anointing left him. When we become just like the Lord, excuse me, when we become just like the world, then we're no longer qualified uh, for the anointing. Did you hear me? Man, I've made several statements tonight I've never made. But in Judges 16 and 15, she kept pushing him. She kept working on him. And she said she's, she's crying and carrying on. She said, how can you say you love me and your heart's not with me? You've just made fun of me these times. You haven't told me where your strength is. Because he'd tell her some lie. How, why are you so strong? He said, well, well, baby, if they tie me with some green ropes, that'd be it. My power's gone. So when he goes to sleep, they tie him up with ropes. And she said, Samson, the Philistines are here. She's a Philistine. <laughs> I understand. When you get in sin, you're blind. You can't see. <laughs> so he jumps up, pops the ropes. Now, if a fellow was smart, he'd get a clue right now. Right? This woman. <laughs> right? You'd get a clue right now. But sin, uh, the Bible talks about the deceptiveness, the deceitfulness of sin in Hebrews. And it, oh, it blinds you. That's why people do some of the stupid stuff they do. The fr I'm telling you, the further into sin you get, you just can't see your hand in front of your face. There is no wisdom in sin. 
none. But uh, she's, she's crying. You don't love me. You say you love me. And he should have said, well, you, do you love me? Tying me up like this? Well, but he didn't think like that. Verse 16, it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. This happened day after day, day after day, day after day. He'd come in and she's crying. She's crying. You don't love me. You say you love me, but you don't. Because if you love me, you'd tell me your secrets. And people that love each other are not supposed to hide things from each other. And I love you, baby. You know I love you. You're my man. (laughs) And I'm here for you. You know I'm your woman. I'm here for you. But you won't tell me your secrets, baby. You won't tell me me your secrets. She'd cry. And and he'd go, baby, don't do that. let's, let's Let's eat. Forget about it. But she wouldn't forget about it. Day after day. And friend, listen, listen here. This, this thing that he did here undid him. You understand? That when he, when he gave into this, it broke him. He was never the same man. What would have been and should have been never was. He lost it when he gave in to frustration. Did you hear that now? When he yielded to frustration, he gave in to frustration. Like we've said, when it comes to people now, people that are in faith will not put pressure on you. If they're really looking to God, they'll not put pressure on you. But I don't care who it is, even if it's a family member, I don't care who it is. If they're pushing you, pushing you, pushing you, if it's a... A co-worker, if it's a business partner, do not yield to frustration. Don't put up with it so long until you go, okay, just do it, all right? But just shut up and leave me alone. Just You just miss God probably. You're not following peace, are you? You're not letting peace rule. Do not follow frustration. Do not yield to frustration. Do not get to the place where you're so exasperated until you just go, do it. Just do it, all right? Get off my back. Doing something like that could cost you so hugely, you might not recover from it. It did with Samson. He got pushed. He was so vexed. He was so frustrated in his soul until he finally just said, uh... It's my hair. It's the symbol of the Nazarite and my dedication to God. And he spilled his guts. And man, that was it. He fell asleep. She shaved his head. That was the last sign of his dedication to God. And what was happening inside had happened outside. And it was over. Next thing you know, he's tied to a mill like a mule. Trodden around in circles. Blind. Because he yielded and gave in to the flesh, and he yielded and gave in to frustration. Said out loud, I do not yield to frustration. I do not follow frustration. Peace rules. I live in peace. I decide by peace. Peace rules in me. Always. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In closing, go to 2 Corinthians. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. You know, the Lord warned them about the Canaanites. He said, if you let these Canaanites stay, they're going to be pricks in your eyes. They're going to be thorns in your sides. They're going to vex you. And I understand anything of the enemy that you don't get out of your life, it's going to be a constant source of irritation to you. Anything that you let remain, anything that you leave there that your flesh kind of likes and wants, you leave it there, it's going to be like a briar. It's going to be like a burr. And, and, and you, you, know, you kind of get used to it, but it bothers you. It irks you. Well, see, that's wearing on you. In fact, that's one of the uh, uh, definitions of vex is to wear down. And that's why you've got so many people that are totally worn out and frustrated and sapped all the time because they've got stuff in their life that they don't need to have. Did you hear me? They're involved with things. They're in places and seeing and hearing stuff that they ought not be seeing and hearing and doing. What we've got to do is simplify. Everybody say simplify. Simplify. Are you there in 2 Corinthians? Paul writing to the church, the Spirit of God, through the Apostle Paul, is writing to them. And I think this is my last verse here now. 2 Corinthians. I won't guarantee it. 2 Corinthians 11. Two, he said to them, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. Do you know the Bible says God is a jealous God? How? James talks about the spirit in us. What? He does not want to, he's not willing to share us with the world. It's spiritual unfaithfulness and adultery. He, he refuses. It's not okay. The Lord, you know, Paul said by the spirit, he said, you, you can't partake of the table of devils and of the Lord. Are we stronger than him? Do we provoke him to jealousy? I mean, it's a serious thing with the Lord. You don't hang with the devil's crowd and then pop into church and say, glory to God, you've aggravated the Lord. Did you hear me? He's jealous. And so Paul is expressing this. I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. I've espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. I fear, though, lest by any means, like the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. How many understand Adam, Adam and Eve didn't have to do what they did? When it started getting complicated and frustrating, they should have bailed and gone the other way. They're out there hanging around that tree, first mistake, looking at it. Everything's simple. God made us. God's great. He loves us. We fellowship together. It's wonderful. They didn't know what sin was. They didn't know what... How many understand there's a whole lot of things you are infinitely better off not knowing about? You heard what curiosity did to the cat. But what's done that to a lot more than cats? I've had people tell me, you know what, I'm, I'm going to read these books on witchcraft and, and sorcery so I'll know how to deal with it. You don't need to read, you need to read this book. This book. Well, I, I, I want to just kind of see how they think so I'll know how to minister to it. You need to know God, not what they think. I'm telling you, we, we, know, we know too much. Now, you, you haven't heard anybody say that in a, in a while. 
We know too much about a lot of stuff. The Lord told us to be wise concerning good, but to be simple. I mean, dummies. <laughs> where, where evil is concerned, we're to be naive. Amen. I'm telling you, uh, we, we, we know too much. We've seen too much. We heard too much. We know too much about what wicked people do. We need, when people start telling us some of this stuff, we need to look at them with a dumb look like, what are you talking about? Did you hear me? We need to be that clean. And we'll be happy. I said, we'll be happy. The devil's subtle. He's crafty. He, with his stuff, he wants to infiltrate into your life. And it, it doesn't look so bad to you. But it's, it doesn't emphasize God. It doesn't glorify God. It's Godless. Well, it's not so bad. Yeah, but where's God in it? Where's God in it? Then it's not okay. And, and Jesus said, whether it's your hand, whether it's your foot, whether it's your eye, if it's offending you, cut it off. Do what you have to do. Cut it off. And I'm telling you, I'm challenging you and myself by the Spirit of God. I want you to go home. I want you to go through every room. I want you to get up in the morning today and I want you to see that ain't godly. Cut it off. That ain't godly. Throw it out. I don't need to hear that. Leave that alone. Amen. Until you get to the place where sometimes you're just sitting around and don't know what to do. What do you do? Well, just praise God. Sit in your chair and be quiet. Praise God. Read the Bible. And you'll quit hollering about, I don't have enough time. I just don't have enough time. You do have enough time. I'm, tell, I'm telling you. Let me tell you what the Lord told me about it. I was telling him one day, Lord, it seems like I don't have enough time to do everything. He said, because you're wasting time. He said, I'm not a hard taskmaster. I'm not unreasonable. I don't give you more to do than what you can do. In fact, I believe in vacations. I give you time to play. No, the reason you don't have enough time is because you have taken on this and taken on that that I didn't tell you to do. You're including this. You're including that. Like the lady was going to go work for Phyllis one time when she was working in a secular position. And uh, she said, you know, that she uh, couldn't, couldn't get up. Well, there's two, I got two stories mixed up there. This was another one where a person was coming to me wanting me to pray for them for deliverance from the spirit of slumber. I said, the spirit of slumber? And they said, yeah, I just can't get up, man. I, I haven't been to Sunday morning church, and I don't know when. I want to go, but I just can't get up. I try to get, I just can't get up. I don't know what it is. I try to, and, and, and they were all, they were so sincere, wouldn't know if I had a strong enough anointing to deal with it. And I said, you can't get up to go to church on Sunday morning. That's right, Mother. I started crying. I won't do. But I mean, this, this devilish spirit of slumber's got a hold of me, and I just can't, I can't shake it. I said, well, here's an important question. They looked at me like, hey, Brother Keith's got something. I said, um, what time do you go to bed on Saturday night? <laughs> well, they looked like I'd slapped them with a wet dishcloth, man. They said, uh, uh, uh. Uh, I don't know. I said, I want to know. What time last Sunday? You didn't go to church Sunday morning. No, Brother Kelly, I wanted to. I said, what time did you go to bed Saturday night? What time? Well, it was pretty late. You know, I guess it was probably, I don't know, two <laughs> or something like that. I said, and uh, I'm guessing you were not worshiping the Lord until that time. If I would venture, I'd say you're probably watching TV and 
And he said, mm, yeah, I think I was watching some TV. I said, let's, let's, let's do an experiment. Let's just see. I said, uh, next Saturday night, you go to bed at 8.30. Have every, have nothing on. No TVs, no radios, no nothing. You do not get out of the bed until in the morning and, and see if you can do it. Leave God and see if you can. <laughs> now, the reason why people are zapped, they're drained, they're red out is because they got all this junk. Sit on the computer and surf until all hours of the morning and then just feel like they can't handle the stress at work. <laughs> Use up all their patience and their energy and their creativity trying to figure out how to search for that thing. <laughs> Sit there until their eyes are bloodshot and then complain at work because they can't see this very good or they feel tired or I need some time off. I'm telling you, friend... Simplify. Everybody say simplify. simplify. Strive for simplification until it's just so simple. I got plenty of time. I feel free. I don't feel rushed. Why? Because you've eliminated this. You've eliminated that. You've cut off this. You, and, and what you've got remaining is just all good. You will walk in peace. You'll get to be fun to be around. You'll have more friends. You'll have new friends. <laughs> stand up. Stand up. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for the peace that passes all understanding. It keeps our hearts and minds. Pray this out loud with me. Father God, open my eyes to what is good and what is evil, to what is profitable and what is vain. To what is edifying and what makes weak. What builds up and what wears down. By your grace, by your mercy, as I go home tonight, as I go through life tomorrow, put your finger on those things, those involvements, those projects that are wearing, that are frustrating, that are vexing. Help me to be strong and leave them off and cut them off and rise up in a greater peace. Cleanse me. Free me from callousness and insensitivity and help me to grow and draw near to you that you may draw near to me and become more real to me and manifest yourself to me. Help me to be free from tormenting lusts, tormenting things, frustrating things, for it is not your will. You've given me your peace. I will keep it. I will live in it. I will walk in it. It will rule in my heart and keep my heart and keep my mind all the time in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Praise the Lord for His peace just a little bit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Pastors. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.